Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, June 24th. We begin with our monthly conversation with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. The chief gives us details on what the police service has planned to recognize Aboriginal Awareness Week here in the city. And we'll hear his thoughts on the unique challenges summer brings when it comes to law enforcement. There have been a lot of questions surrounding the province's vaccination lottery, like can I win more than once and do we have to enter multiple times, seeing as there will be three different draws between now and September? Well, we'll try and get some answers from Alberta's Minister of Health, Tyler Shandro. The hot, dry weather coming our way is great for sun worshippers, but not so good for crops. Area farmers are getting concerned in throwing around the word drought. We'll get an inside look at how serious things are for our ag sector from Kelly Momberg, Agricultural Services Manager for Vulcan County and a farmer himself. And finally, lots of chances for toe tapping at this year's edition of the Calgary Stampede. We get the lowdown on this year's all-Canadian music lineup, which includes more than 30 artists from so many different musical genres. Kids are getting out of school, which means more kids running around on streets during the day. And with the new season of summer comes other new challenges for city police. So joining us right now with his weekly check-in, or weekly, we wish we had him on weekly. Maybe we we can broker that during this conversation, Sue. (laughs) Monthly check-in with Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld with us now. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, Andy. Sometimes oh. it feels like weekly. Uh, <laughs> the month goes by pretty quick. True. Uh, can you can you even believe it's the twenty fourth of June? Where has the year gone? And and with that, I know that some kids already off. Some kids sticking it out till maybe Monday or Tuesday of next week. But we're going to see more of them out and about. And we all, at some point, believe it or not, we're kids, and we remember the excitement and and maybe absent mindedness of being a kid and running around on city streets, don't we? Yeah, we do, and I think that's very true. the The other thing that I think is happening in uh, in uh, I think parallel with that is the traffic is coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So probably last summer and since then, I think the kids have probably had a bit more room on the streets. But I think that's something we're really going to have to be paying attention to because that adds a lot of risk. And, and with the change to speed limits as well in residential areas, Chief, is this something that you know police officers, is it just sort of a daily thing they keep a, an eye on? Or will there be a, sort of a more enforcement or, or more visibility in terms of watching out for that? I suppose it's more of a daily thing, Sue, but I think uh, at the end of the day, we know where we get the bulk of the complaints from, and we know where we've seen the bulk of the collisions in the past, so those will be priority areas for sure. In the beginning, it'll be about getting out and being visible in those areas and actually, you know, taking an educational approach so people can, I guess, um, sort of evolve into that change. But like I say, there are some areas of the city that are that are pretty sensitive in terms of uh, the collision histories and that sort of thing, so uh, this will be a good move there and reduce some of the uh, severity of those injuries. Chief, the uh, 40 kilometer per hour speed limit change to residential roads, it's, it's kind of in its infancy at this point. I'm wondering if, if we've seen any impact and, and how has enforcement or, uh, I guess, education gone uh, with that change? Yeah, I think still early days, like you say, it is in its infancy. And so it's something I, I think that is rolling out right now. Um, and I think at the same time, we have had diminished traffic flow and patterns because of people working from home and this sort of thing. So I think what we're going to see in the coming weeks and months will be somewhat of a return to normal. And I think we'll be able to say more about what impact it's having. But as I say, pretty early days right now. Chief, it is Aboriginal Awareness Week and that as the country mourns the loss of so many found at the Kamloops Residential School and now the latest news coming out of Saskatchewan, how does this shift the focus for CPS? Well, yeah, good question. I think, um, you know, we just came off the sort of the celebration of the 25th um, um, 
iteration of the uh, Indigenous Awareness Week. Um, and But yeah, there's a somber tone because of uh, the findings, and I think we're going to see another announcement at 9 o'clock this morning. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is just being sensitive to the community and, and what it's going through right now as, uh, as, these, as these developments continue to unfold, and being able to... Um, I guess, ebb and flow with activities and initiatives. And again, just being respectful and walking with the community. Can you give us some, some details on the CPS's uh, um, Indigenous roadmap of the program and, and the way ahead? Yeah, for sure. So the roadmap itself, I guess, is just a sort of a compilation, our own compilation of um, of uh, the law enforcement related calls to action and calls to justice from both the Truth and Reconciliation um, um, the, yeah, Truth and Reconciliation, as well as Missing and Murdered uh, Task Force. So uh, we have the White Goose Flying Report, as you're aware of here in Calgary as well. So again, we've taken the pieces of that that are really uh, things that we think we can relate to uh, and, and influence from a law enforcement perspective. And I think there's like seven uh, categories or seven uh, sort of pillars underneath that. And it's things like custody and jail alternatives, looking for alternative uh, measures and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, sort of focusing on Indigenous victim services so we can be more trauma-informed around uh, the services we're providing. Uh, sacred spaces and actually cultural pieces within the police environment. We recently opened up here with the community um, a sacred space within uh, Westwinds where people can use that, our employees can use it, but also if we have people that are uh, victims or witnesses that come in, they can smudge or use that ceremonial space uh, as part of their um, participation in the investigation. That's important, really good. I, I like that. Uh, very important issue and something that we all need to keep talking about for sure. Um, you had a retirement this past week, I understand. Department's first ever support dog has retired after a very long career, and that's a program that has been really a huge success for the CPS, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, that was Hawk that retired, and there was uh, some video out around that. Uh, we had a celebration. I think Hawk's been with us since 2011, and uh, I think the really significant part about that is the first um, dog that was actually um, uh, um, approved as a support person oh, wow. uh, in the Court of Queen's Bench. And so since that time, that ruling has opened the door for other therapy dogs and other dogs to be able to attend uh uh, trials and support uh, victims, both uh, smalls and, and adults. And so that's something that, that has evolved here in Calgary to the point that Hawk was attending probably one trial a week uh, in Calgary. And then, of course, around the province, there was uh, lots more going on with, uh, with, with the therapy dogs. So we're very proud of that. I want to ask you, Chief, I mean, if, if we were to have in the forecast uh, 20 centimeters of snow tomorrow, <laughs> I know that uh, puts a bit of a wrinkle in, in CPS, the work you do and, and how busy your you know, uh, feet on the street are. I'm wondering if the extreme weather we're uh, looking down right now over the next six days, an extreme heat wave, temperatures over 30 degrees, looks like could be five or six days. Does that offer any challenges for what you folks do? Oh, I think it does. But I, you know, I think we're actually uh, in Calgary here. If you've been here for any length of time, you're probably sort of used to it. And I think in the spring and and in different months of the year, it's not a big surprise to see these big swings. So uh, I think Calgarians and the police service here in Calgary are pretty resilient to this. So one way or the other, we'll we'll make it work. But at this point, I think uh, nothing would surprise us. Is there any way to install air conditioning on the police officers' gear, maybe their their bulletproof (laughs) vest, something like that, to help them cool down in the summer? Well, I think they wish they wait. They certainly <laughs> wish there was. Uh, I think if you can come up with something like that, Sue, you'll probably be financially. You'll be in a pretty good place. So. <laughs> okay, I'll work on it. So I, I think it's safe <laughs> to say that you would take uh, thirty degrees plus, uh, you know, as as a police officer versus minus thirty with uh, twenty centimeters of snow. Is that correct? 
Well, I think if, if that's the only choices, yep. then yeah, I think the 30 <laughs> above. But if, if we could get it somewhere in the middle, I think that uh, would be the ideal. There you have it. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll check in again, not next week, but next month. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, Chief. That is uh, Calgary Police Chief Mark Newfeld. Want to win a million bucks? It's as easy as getting vaccinated. The province is giving away cash, flights, and vacations, as well as stampede tickets, among other prizes, as an incentive to get people to get the jab. But there are questions being asked about eligibility, when to enter, who can enter, and how the prizing exactly works. Well, we had some questions, you had some questions, and we're going to get some answers right now. Alberta Health Minister Tyler Shandro joins us this morning. Good morning to you, Minister. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for taking the time with us. Well, one of the big concerns and questions we've heard here on the air and among family and friends is, if you win a Stampede prize pack, for example, or a WestJet flight, um, is your name taken out of the draw so you can't win any more prizes like the $1 million uh, prize? Is that the case? Well, you're talking about uh, there's three different draws. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the, if, if folks are winning in that, that first draw, um, and and, uh, and and they, they yes they, they would then then be uh, winning that one draw in that that uh, the, that prize in that first draw um, and and then we'll we'll continue with everybody else that's uh, remaining in the province for the the, uh, the next uh, two draws. Okay, so just to clarify, we've got three separate draws. We're talking the first draw, and that's for the one million dollars. When we move into the the second draw, for example, if I win uh, passes to the Stampede. Is my name removed from all other prizes within that second draw? Well, well, I guess we're going to have winners for for just uh, I guess yeah, you're you're only going to be winning one one prize for that draw. That that's true. We're, we're not going to have somebody who's going to be uh, when we announce the winners for that second draw. We're not going to have more than one winner for that draw. All right, if so, that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're just yeah wondering, like you know, some of the home lotteries that we have. If you win, for example, the stereo system, you're still entered for the big prize. But you're saying once you won a prize, that'll be the prize for that round. Um, if, if I've got you right there, um, you, you got me right there. Okay. And and it's not because yeah, I know that sometimes those uh, stampede uh, prizes, like the uh, the lottery home and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, those are are kind of consecutive uh, draws uh, that keep on going on. Um, so this is just going to be like a round of, of prizes for each of these uh, these draws at those three different times. Okay, so the other clarification that we want to know about here, and we've had questions about this. So I know that the deadline is 11.59 p.m. tonight for, for the first draw. Do I have to enter every month, you know, August and September, or after I enter the first time, am I entered for all three draws? Just enter once. You're, you're then entered for all those draws. But we, we um, originally we were thinking about just having one draw and, and having it for the second doses. And um, then there were a lot of good questions that I then got. Well, if we want to encourage people to get that first dose as well, can we have a, a first draw? So that's why we included that. And that's why there's this cutoff for that, that first draw and, and so for the, for the first doses so we can uh, help encourage people with those first doses because we know 99% of people who get a first dose are going to want a, a second dose. So that's why we did that with the first dose draw. Um, but you only have to enter once. You don't have to keep on entering for all these draws. Do I need to have gotten my second dose to get in on the second draw and the third draw? Well, you know, we didn't want to create any barriers. And, and also, we have to have consent to be able to um, ask people if they want to be in at a draw. Many people already had their first doses when we started this lottery. We didn't want to go back and ask for all that consent. And we didn't want a barrier where people are having to give their personal health information to prove they got a vaccine before they enter. So you are giving, when you enter, a very minimal amount of personal information. 
if you are drawn at that point, then you would have to show that you had, if it was for, for the first draw, uh, one dose, at least the first dose by uh, 11.59 uh, tonight. Um, if you are drawn for the other two draws, you would just have to show that you've had your two doses by, by the cutoffs for, for those draws. So um, we just, for, for you to be able to enter the website, a very minimal amount of information, you just have to prove that you had the vaccines if you are a winner. Well, thank you for breaking it down for us this morning, uh, Minister. We appreciate it. Oh, not at all. Good stuff. That is uh, Health Minister Tyler Shandro. Plants need sun to grow, but they also need water. And so far this year, we've had uh, too much of one and not enough of the other. Kelly Momberg is the Agricultural Services Manager for Vulcan County and farms himself in the Blackie area. He says it's dry out there and uh, seems to be getting drier. We're joined now by Kelly. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. Hi, guys. Uh, let's, let's, let's put it in perspective, you know, because uh, us city folk, so to speak, uh, you know, we, we, you know, can kind of measure and engage by our lawn. Uh, but that's kind of a small scale operation, if you know what I'm saying, Kelly. So just just how dry is it? Can you give us an example? Oh, it's really dry. Um, you know, one of the big things that we really rely on is snow melt. You know, we didn't have much of a winter this year. I know we, you know, really, we only had about two weeks of, or even a week of uh, minus 30, but no snow. And so we went into the spring really dry. And then we've just been fighting for rain because uh, there's no subsurface moisture. You know, the moisture we're getting is just kind of trying to soak in from the top. So there's nothing underneath in these crops. Yeah, like, honestly... There's a lot of country south of Calgary. The crops are already done. Oh, really? Kelly, I mean, it seems so simple to us. Again, as Andy said, we're city slickers. We turn on the sprinkler. What's the big deal? Yeah, you know, and that's the thing, you know, to start a year, like it's, you know, it's June 24th today. You know, and this is unusual. Like this is dry. And that uh, that forecast next week, even if we did get, uh, you know, it's nice. I woke up today. We're getting a nice little rain right now. It's probably going to make a couple tents of rain and, you know, green things up for a day or two, but that forecast next week when that 36 hits both Wednesday, Thursday with the wind, it's it's just a it's just a furnace. So yeah, you know, you can turn the the taps on 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 the lawn, and there is some people in southern Alberta that are fortunate to have irrigation, but you know that accounts for you know a small percentage of uh, of agriculture really south of Calgary. Kelly, give us a bit of a breakdown of the timeline that we're looking at before, you know, farmers start to see the quality drop off and it can really have a severe effect. Are, are we there yet? Are we still weeks away? Well, you know, it's as you would expect, you know, as you go south, typically it's drier and east. Um, so, you know, Vulcan County, I'd say Vulcan South, the crops are done. They've, you know, they've tried to, uh, you know, the guys got in early. They got started. There was enough moisture um, but really, they're starting to burn right out. Crops were down there now. We're trying to head out, which is pretty early. And uh, when they go into drought mode, they try to produce ahead. And uh, so, typically, anything south of Vulcan, and there is areas that still are actually hanging on. They're burned up. Uh, where we're at, we're kind of on the bubble. I think next week things will really start deteriorating. And then, as you, obviously, when you get north, I think the guys up in central northern Alberta are looking pretty good. Um, so yeah, in a way, a lot of it in southern Alberta on dry land is going to be going to be done. I think you know we're going to see some huge yield losses. And the scary thing is, is uh, the guys who really feel bad for the farmers, you know, they always got crop insurance, you know, so they can live to see another day. But the cattle guys, 
and I got to feed these cows in the fall, in the winter. And uh, I'd say pasture and, and haylands are going to be a quarter or a third of what it should be. So, okay, then, so there's insurance. I mean, worst case scenario, right? You get some insurance. I know it's not the same thing. But so for the farmers or the producers then that, that don't have, you know, the, the crop or the, the land to feed these cows, what happens to them? Is it, is it an out-of-pocket thing? Or, or do you hope a government maybe pops in with some sort of a subsidy? Or how does that normally look? Yeah, that's the tough thing. So I think what you'll see happen, and if, you know, like if things really start deteriorating next week, um, you know, the cattle guys, there is some options, you know, these crop, these crops, you know, wheat, barley, a lot of the cereal crops, they'll probably put cows, start moving cows into these. So there's going to be that short term, you know, there's no pasture. So, you know, they, for what to feed on, you know, they're probably going to be putting cows in on what would normally be combine. And yeah, this, this winter, like if it gets really dry here, most guys can kind of salvage a cereal crop and bail it up for green feed so like they have that feed source for winter but if it's case like this you know it's sourcing feed's going to be tough and especially you know you look south of the border this is a big drought um it's probably the biggest one i've ever seen you know through the western prairies and the bulk of the united states is you know the dakotas all the way through the grain belt and california like they're really dry so sourcing feed is going to be a real issue this winter I'm just wondering, you know, Cal, you were really focused and lasered on this year, what can be salvaged and what can be done. But as far as, uh, you know, the industry is concerned, if it's a very wet winter, like if we get a lot of snow accumulation and then, you know, we have that melt and, and we get the moisture levels back uh, next year, does that erase everything or does it take, a, after a drought like this, a couple of years to get things back back on track? No, you're right. Um, you're right, Andy. It's, uh, you know, winter's especially on the grassland, um, like a big rain now, it seems like on, on hay and pasture, uh, you know, if we go in dry, uh, you know, these crops, the, the hayland's usually done by first part of May. It doesn't come back. But if we can get some decent moisture this fall and winter, yeah, it's a reset. You know, we, you, it, you know looking forward, it's always, uh, we seem to really rely on subsoil surface moisture. So, yeah, things can totally change. We could pop right out of this for next year. Kelly, what does it mean ultimately for farmers and producers and then ultimately us, the consumers, trying to look for a product that's, you know, there's been in short supply because of poor crops? Is it, do, do guys go out of business over this? Well, you know, I know guys uh, south of Vulcan that uh, they're on, they, on the last 10 years, they've probably had eight droughts, like serious droughts. Last year wasn't so bad. So how crop insurance works is you pay into it but it's based on averages. So if you keep taking, you know, claiming your averages go down. So, uh, you know, a few more years of this, I don't know. Their farmers are a tough, a tough breed. They, uh, I don't know how they keep going, but, uh, it's been tough the last few years. And, you know, talking about, uh, droughts like this, grain commodity prices are on fire. I've never seen grain prices this high. And I, I, you know, I know we're starting to see it in the grocery stores now, but I think we're in for a rude awakening here. If this, you know, if this heat wave, it's not even July yet, and we're talking 37 degrees, you know, I'd see, a, if a, on a North American scale, I think, you know, we're going to see some uh, really low uh, world grain stocks. And, yeah, canola's upwards of 20 bushels, dollars a bushel. Wheat's over 10. Feed mm-hmm. barley is insane right now. Wow. So. Interesting times, but I've never seen the commodity market this high on, on grains. Incredible. It's a, yeah, an incredible time, and I guess we'll keep our eyes 
uh, you know, on the situation because, as you mentioned, that heat isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, thank you so much yep. for your time this morning, Kelly. Yeah, thanks, you guys. So hopefully we get a little rain. I know farmers always whine about the rain, but uh, it's for good reason. It's yeah. This one's serious, I think, this drought. You know, we'll live to see another day, but uh, hopefully, like you mentioned, Andy, we get some moisture yeah. this winter. Have a reload. Yeah, it's it's your life's work, and I think a lot of people who aren't in it don't realize that sometimes. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Okay, take care, you guys. You too. That's Kelly Momberg, Agri- Agricultural Services Manager with Vulcan County, and also he farms himself in the Blackie area. All Canadian lineup for musical acts for this year's Stampede, but that certainly doesn't mean a lack of quality or quantity as they'll have over 30 acts taking over the throwback stage that they're calling Summertown. Joining us with details is the manager of Stampede Programming, Kyle Corner. Good morning to you, Kyle. Good morning. We're we're curious, uh, reading this release here about being an all-Canadian lineup, is this a first for the Stampede? Uh, It's pretty darn close to a first, yeah, and it is a jam-packed Canadian lineup of great, great artists. Okay, so where's this uh, throwback stage that you're calling Summertown? Uh, it's in a familiar spot uh, right out uh, by the Victoria LRT in our main gate. So formerly known as the beverage stage, that one? Soda pop stage? Uh, correct, yeah, that okay. spot there. The soda pop not to be named? Okay, <laughs> it's, it's time because you, you've uh, sold us on this. It's time for you to drop some names mm-hmm. here. Who can we expect to see, Kyle? Oh, I'm so excited to announce the Trues will be here. Classified's going to be here. Uh, hometown uh, hero Michael Bernard Fitzgerald, Dear Rouge, The Sheepdogs, Default. Uh, we got Sam Roberts, Stars, Monster Truck, Big Wreck. I'm a big fan. Mariana's Trench, The Funk Hunters. Uh, we got Blue Rodeo wrapping things up. A huge lineup. Uh, and all that uh, includes The Static Shift, uh, Turbo, JJ Shiplet, The Wild Chaos, Said the Whale. I'm going on and on. We've got 30 great bands. That is phenomenal. Big, small, local, outside of our province, and they're all going to be here. And, you know, this is a really fun part of Stampede, is that this experience, seeing all these great bands, it comes with your gate admission, right? It's all free with admission, and you can pick up your admission at calgarystampede.com right now. And what's cool about this is you've got some, the, the genres that are crossed within this list is huge as well. Oh, yeah, across all genres right here. So there's something for everyone. Or if you're like me, everything uh, on here is perfect. We've got rock and roll, uh, DJs, uh, pop, all kinds of great music. Can't go wrong. You've got the Trues. You've got Blue Rodeo, as you mentioned. Uh, Snotty Nose Res Kids, great band. So, so much to see. And Stampede is just, you know, we kind of started off slow with the uh, the announcement of Stampede coming back. But you guys are just ramping it up. And there is going to be a ton going on once you get onto the park. Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, great to be back together this summer here at Stampede Park. So I uh, just encourage everyone, go grab your uh, admission at calgarystampede.com. We'll see you in July. Good stuff. You're going to be keeping us entertained uh, during Stampede. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you. That is Kyle Corner, manager of Stampede Program. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.